Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Hey, morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. We can't have Father's Day without some dad jokes. Do you know when it becomes a dad joke? When he becomes a parent. No, but really, I know a bunch of good jokes about umbrellas, but it might go over your head. You know, the, the, bank, uh, the bank keeps, keeps calling, uh, just telling me how amazing my bank balance is. They say you have an outstanding balance. And then, you know, I don't get this one, but barbers, you have to take your hats off for them. <laughs> did you guys hear about the surgeon who enjoyed performing quick surgeries on insects? He did one on the fly. <laughs> There's only one thing I can't deal with, and that's a deck of cards glued together. <laughs> All right, we'll stop there. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well... Uh, looking forward to sharing with us all this morning, and uh, yeah, I've been on a bit of a journey to, to get to, to this point as I've been, I guess, stewing in this concept uh, of what I'm, I'm going to be sharing. And on this journey, I, I, I started getting into or looking into researching what are the most popular film franchises in the world at the moment. So not over history and not necessarily box office, but, but what is society engaging with the most? So I uh, read an article where they looked at search engine uh, data kind of driven results to see who's searching for what movie franchise and uh, which, which of these franchises come up as the most popular. And the results are really interesting. In 75 countries, there's one film franchise that comes up as number one in 75 countries. And that film franchise is the Harry Potter film franchise. The second film franchise that is the second most popular is most popular in 68 countries. So between these two movies, it's like two-thirds of the countries in the world. The second most popular one was the Spider-Man franchise. Um, and if we looked further at other franchises, we'd find X-Men, uh, we'd find them in there, probably we'd find Star Wars, and maybe one or two others. Uh, but I find it staggering that just uh, Harry Potter and Spider-Man being the two that are just so huge in terms of the, 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 the pull, the draw of society to, to, to be entertained and to uh, be drawn into um, this, this other realm. And so as we look at this, why is, it, why is it valuable to even talk about that or look at that? I think it speaks to the, the heart and the, the, the desire of our generation. See, I think our, our generation is looking for spiritual encounters. When we look at the Harry Potter series, when we look at Spider-Man, X-Men, all of these things, it's, these movies are about magic. It's about supernatural. It's about having these superhuman powers that are beyond our normal natural ability. Um, it's, it's speaking about a realm that is outside of our realm, but that come and intersects and interacts with the natural earthly realm that we're aware of. You see, I think the, the desire of our generation is to experience and to understand and to know genuine, real spirituality. 
That, I believe, is the cry of the generation. And so the question I have for us is, are we listening? Are we paying attention to the question that society is asking? And are we, are we responding and are we answering this question, this cry? Because people are going to find it. Uh, you know, I, I believe that every individual created on the, the face of the earth has a desire deep within to encounter the Lord, to encounter His presence. God made us like that. We've been born with this, you know, the space within us that, that, that is designed and created, the whole of your being, to encounter Father God, to be in relationship with Him, to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's how He designed us. And when that part is lacking, uh, I think our, our natural DNA searches for that answer. And, and if, if people don't know where to go, well, then they're going to go to Harry Potter and they're going to go to um, these movies. And then from there, where does it go? Well, then they start looking into the New Age and they start looking into psychics and mediums and Sangomas and ancestors and the list goes on. People are searching, and we are the ones that are here to help them find the solution, to help them find the answer that they're crying for deep within their spirit, to encounter genuine, real spirituality, to encounter the love of the Father. See, as someone once put it, you're, you're not a physical being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a physical experience. <laughs> it completely changes your thinking when you think about yourself like that, doesn't it? But it's true. We're spiritual beings. Our, our spirit will live on for, for eternity. And yes, we will get a resurrected body and stuff as well. But um, the spiritual realm is so much more real than what I think we, we give, give it credit on a daily basis. And so this morning, I'm hoping to just uh, try to take the, the lid off any limitation that we place on the Lord, any limitation on what we, uh, to remove the limitation of what He can and can't do. And so we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures uh, that will hopefully just expand our minds to long for, to desire the fullness of what the Lord has for us that will experience the fullness of what He wants us to experience. And so I believe that this is a, a season of spiritual encounter. I do believe that the, the Lord is wanting us to have encounters with Him, powerful encounters with Him. And these encounters will, will shape us, will mark us, and will reveal things to us. Because our, our mandate as, as believers, as disciples of Jesus, is to establish heaven on earth. It's the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to replicate, to reproduce heaven on earth. And so how can we do that if we don't know what heaven looks like? How can we do that if we've got no idea, no reference for what it is that we're replicating? And that's why we need to encounter His presence. We need to encounter His, his love, His realms. We need to encounter the Lord in, in, in profound ways that we will get visions, we will get uh, revelations, we'll get insights of what it is that we need to replicate here on earth. And so I believe that this is a season where the Lord wants to give us encounters with Him that we might replicate heaven on earth. You see, this is what happened with Moses in, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. We read, it says, They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. 
See, the sanctuary is a copy, it's a shadow of what's in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. See, Moses has an encounter with the Lord. The Lord gives him a blueprint. He gives him instructions. He gives him guidelines of how to build the tabernacle. And then the instruction comes to be sure that you follow all of these instructions. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. God wants to give us encounters like Moses had. He'll give us blueprints. He'll give us patterns. He'll give us insights so that we can reproduce on earth as it is in heaven. The tabernacle was a copy, a shadow of heaven. God wants to do that over and over again. He wants to do that for your business. Maybe he wants to give you a copy, a pattern of his plan for your business. And how will we know that unless we encounter him, unless we experience him, unless we have these experiences with the Lord? See, heavenly spiritual encounters with the Lord are so important beyond just the encounter. God wants us to have these encounters because he loves us, because he just wants to be in fellowship, in, in, in communion, in you know, relationship with us. But he also wants to reveal things to us. We learn a lot from, from Daniel. If you've got your Bible and you want to go to Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read a couple of verses over here. Now, this is uh, in the time of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar says to his, uh, one of his chiefs, um, Ashpenaz, that he needs to collect the, the kind of the top men in society. And so let's, let's read in Daniel 1 from verse 3. It says, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of, some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So he's looking for like the, the, the top people in, in society. We, we then carry on here in verse 17. Well, let me give you the context of what happens. Um, so they go into this time of training. And in this time of training, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't want to eat and drink the king's choice uh, foods and wine. They say, can we just have vegetables and water? And so the, the chief, Ashpenaz, says, well, no, I can't do that because then the king is going to see that you're not looking well and you're not healthy. And um, no, you must eat the, the choice foods that we're preparing for you from the king's table. Um, they don't want to defile themselves with this food. And so they say, let's just eat vegetables. Give us 10 days. And after 10 days, you can then see whether we are doing better than the rest of the, the guys. And so the, the chief agrees to this. And so for 10 days, Daniel and his friends eat only uh, what we know as a Daniel fast, vegetables and water. After the 10 days, um, they now are being, being compared. And so they are found to be far, far better than the others in verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. 
the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the other names. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Isn't that profound? So Daniel then did ten days, and then they were found to still be fit and healthy and strong. And so then the chief said, all right, well, you can continue doing this because it's working. And so we can assume that for the rest of that period, up to three years, that they were doing some kind of a, a fast. And I'm not saying we're supposed to do these extended fasts, but what I think it speaks about, it speaks of a, a heart of pursuing the Lord, a heart of being set apart, a heart of saying, God, I'm after you and your ways, that I won't be caught up in the ways of the world, but that as I'm set apart, I will be encountering you. And as I'm encountering you, you will make me wise, not just wise in uh, my sense, but wise in comparison to the top magicians, enchanters, and people of the, the land. And I remember that these are the choice men that are starting. That's the starting point. So this is not just general society. They've selected, handpicked the top people in society. And now Daniel's found 10 times wiser than these top people in society. God wants us to be a Daniel generation, that we will be found 10 times wiser, that we will be found wise and smart, that we will be uh, smart in all forms of knowledge, of literature, of intellect, but also spiritual. I think that's the part that I really want us to, to hone in on this morning, that we will be spiritually wise, that we will understand, that we will discern what's happening in the spiritual realms that we live in that we might be able to explain, to um, interpret, and to give guidance to people as they have questions when it comes to the spiritual realm. See, in Daniel chapter 2 now, we have got King Nebuchadnezzar, who I think, as, as I read between the lines in the Scripture, and I, I think that's sometimes okay, as, not, as long as you're not reading too much. But as I, as I paint in the gaps of, of, of what we read here, I would imagine that King Nebuchadnezzar is a little bit, um, he's had enough of the magicians who've perhaps given him wrong information because he's now had this dream and he says, I'm looking for a magician, a sorcerer, an enchanter, someone who can interpret my dream for me. But to, to, to make this a little bit more challenging, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. I'm looking for someone to come and tell me what I dreamt and then interpret it for me. Like, this is next level. So he goes to the magicians and he says, this is, this is the deal. Either I'm going to execute the lot of you or you tell me what I dreamt and you then interpret it. And the magicians respond and they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, we, we're the spiritual ones over here. You've seen the works that we do. You've seen our power. But, but this request that you have, no one on the face of the earth can do what you are asking. There is no man that can do such a thing. Only the gods can do what you are asking. King Nebuchadnezzar says, well, that's not good enough. And so they get executed. <laughs> They're now on the hunt for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they also are going to be executed. Uh, Daniel hears about this and he says, just give me some time. Give me some time. And so they, they allow him to, give, to, to take some time and to pray. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they, they, they pray, they seek the Lord. 
And that night, Daniel has a vision. And in this vision, God reveals to him Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Not only does he reveal the dream, but he gives him the interpretation. <laughs> so Daniel goes to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, I have the details of your dream. I will tell you what you dreamt, and I will interpret it for you. And he goes and he does that. After the magicians of the day said, no one on the face of this earth can do what you're asking. Daniel does it. Not because of his own strength, but because of the, the might of, of our king. King Jesus. In Daniel 2, verse 46 and 47, we read the response now after all of this has taken place. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering of incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. You see, the Lord wants to give us such profound wisdom, such profound revelation, that when the people in society, when your CEO, when the politicians, when the presidents of our day are looking for solutions and when they find them through the children of God that they will fall prostrate before the Lord and say, surely he is King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, in Daniel's day, King Nebuchadnezzar was looking to the magicians and the enchanters the new ages for answers and solutions for revelation on how to lead decisions to make how to interpret things that he didn't understand i think things are much the same in our day it's maybe just not advertised like that but 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 people in powers in, in position of power and influence they they've got stuff that they don't understand and they're looking for answers and where are they finding those answers and I think if, if we don't arise and shine as the church, then these people are going to continue to look to the new age. They're going to continue to look to the psychics, to the mediums, to the sangomas, to the ancestors. They're going to look to all of the wrong places to try and find the answers that they have burning in their hearts. God wants us to be the people that are wise, that have the answers to these questions, to these dreams, to these visions, to these spiritual encounters that are often misunderstood or misinterpreted. You know, I was, I was driving home from our Bible school best on Tuesday. It was probably about two months ago, and the radio happened to be on, and, and I'm, the radio's on in the background. I'm listening to it, and uh, I'm, I get intrigued by what I'm listening to uh, because there's this numerologist on the radio now, this is a, a new age spiritual person that gives prophetic words through numbers. And so what was happening is people would phone into the radio station and they'd, they'd give their date of birth. I'm born on the 3rd of June, 1988. And, and, and with just that bit of information, this numerologist would now, on the radio, uh, you know, broadcast for anyone who's listening to listen to, would start to give a prophetic word or, or some kind of word of insight or wisdom to this person. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, this is such a load of rubbish. Like any single one of you in this room would have been able to give better, more accurate prophecy than what this numerologist was doing. 
And I was just thinking, but the people are just lapping this all up and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And they're buying it and they're just like, this is so like incredible was the kind of general response. And I thought, man, the world is hungry for genuine spiritual encounter. And they clearly are not finding it if they're buying this hogwash. It was just, it was terrible. A couple of weeks later, I'm going home. This time it's on a Wednesday night, uh, going home from our young adults gathering. We've had a beautiful time of worship and gathering together around the Lord and with one another. And radio's on again. And, uh, and this time, they're talking about mermaids and mermen. I'm not joking, people. This is not a, this is not a joke. They've got some scientists on from America talking about the reality of mermaids and how they've always existed and, and how it's been part of and, you know, history from, you know, from years back. And I was just thinking, really? I need to change my radio station. <laughs> I'll put it out there also that this is one of the top talk radio stations in, in probably the country broadcasting this utter rubbish. But society is longing for something that's genuine, that's real, that is spiritual, and that is beyond the natural, tangible world that we live in. Will we answer the cry of society? See, I think one of the biggest wars against the church is and has been to remove spirituality, to remove the presence of Holy Spirit from the church. The very thing that society is searching and longing for is the very area that the devil has waged war against us, that we would remove this thinking people don't want this. But then we look at the movies and it's, it's what they want. Because that's what God created us for. He created us to experience Him, to know Him, to be with Him, to dwell with Him, to encounter Him in a spiritual realm and in a natural realm as His realm interacts with ours. Heaven on earth. It's a Trudy's beautiful prophetic painting this morning of the butterfly coming and it's speaking of transformation, that God wants us to be transformed, to be renewed as we encounter him. This is a time and a season for us to encounter the Lord. And so I'm going to just take a few minutes to, to, to quite quickly go through some, just a, a few hand-picked encounters that we read about in the, in the scriptures, because there are so many of these supernatural, spiritual, heavenly encounters that we read about, um, of, of our natural earthly reality and dimension being engaged with the supernatural spiritual realms. So the first one I want to touch on is, is Saul, as he has his, his salvation experience on the Damascus Road. Acts chapter 9, as he's going about, he's the one that's, uh, that, that's giving instruction and order to kill all of the believers. And then he has this moment where all of a sudden this blinding light comes upon him. He goes blind, he cannot see, and he hears this voice audibly. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he responds and he knows this is the Lord. And uh, in this, this, this encounter, 
the salvation encounter as the, the realm of heaven, the presence of Jesus, that's what heaven is, where, it's where he is, comes down to earth and engages, interacts with Saul's reality and changes his reality forever. Saul, as we know, goes on to become filled with the, the Holy Spirit to be born again properly and uh, goes around preaching the gospel, uh, goes on these uh, extraordinary mission trips and writes uh, multiple books in the New Testament and all takes place from this encounter with the Lord. You see, God wants to give many of us these Damascus Road type of encounters that we encounter His presence in such a profound way that it doesn't just mark you, but it changes you, it transforms you, it renews you, and it sets you on a course to bring glory and honor to Him for the rest of your days. We then read about Philip. This is uh, the chapter before, in Acts chapter 8. Uh, Philip is on this, this journey as the Lord has spoken to him, and so he, he, he's following the Holy Spirit, and he finds this uh, chariot going down the road. The Holy Spirit says to him, that's the, the chariot, you need to go to that. And so he runs up behind the chariot. He hears this Ethiopian eunuch talking as he's reading a scroll. And uh, so he says to the eunuch, hey, can I, can I help you with that? Because the Ethiopian eunuch is saying, how can I understand this? I can't, I can't, I don't know what this is. If only someone could help me. You see, it was the question of the age back then. It still is the question of the age. Help me to understand spirituality. Help me to understand God. Help me to understand who he is. And so Philip says, well, hey, I can help you with that. And so he gets into the chariot and he starts to uh, preach the gospel. He unpacks the truth and the love of Jesus, the good news. He, he tells them about baptism in water. So they, they pass a pool of water on the side of the road and uh, the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, hey, yes, some water. What's stopping us from being baptized or from you baptizing me right now? And Nothing. So they stop. They get out the chariot. Into the water they go. Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. And he baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they come up out of the water. And this is when another weird spiritual encounter takes place. Philip disappears. <laughs> you, you, can, you can go read it for yourself in Acts chapter 8. Philip comes up out of the water and he disappears before the Ethiopian eunuch's eyes. He's gone. The scripture says that he finds himself in Azotus. It's uh, 40, 50 kilometers away. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you're the Ethiopian eunuch. You've just had this crazy encounter with this guy that's just preached the gospel to you, that you've responded to it. You've just become born again. You've given your life to Jesus. He, he, he puts you in water. You come out of water, and now this man just disappears. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty crazy. Imagine if you're Philip. You come, well, the guy comes out of the water, and the next thing, whoop, you find yourself in a different town. The, the craziest part for me is that the Scripture says, and he just carries on preaching the gospel. I mean, the, the Scripture doesn't say it, but the way I kind of read it is like, is that just another normal day in the life of Philip? Like, I don't know. But it's a weird spiritual supernatural encounter as he gets physically transported to a different location. See, he, his realm is, is above and beyond the earthly natural realm that we live in. 
And when His presence comes and intersects, interrupts, takes dominion over the natural realms, supernatural crazy things happen. You know that when it comes to angelic encounters, now we don't worship angels, um, but we also shouldn't pretend that they don't exist. You see, because I think, again, the New Age has has taken on this whole thing about angels and they've tried to make it their own because they always take the genuine and they just they, they twist it. They, they, they just make it a little bit off and then it goes way off. <laughs> but, but I think because the New Age got into this whole thing with angels, as the, the church we perhaps kind of, we, 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 we've lost sight of the, the role of the angelic. Okay, we don't worship them, but there are angels. They are real, and they are messengers of Christ. And sometimes they get sent with a message, with a, a, a mandate, with a project to, to assist us. They're ministering beings. And uh, anyway, there, there are more accounts in Scripture of angelic encounters in the New Testament than there are in the Old Testament. And when you read the Scriptures, there's angelic encounters, you know, very frequently. Maybe some of us will have angelic encounters. Then we go like off the edge. We go to the, the book of Ezekiel. Now in the book of Ezekiel, there's a number of references to him having almost these out-of-body experiences as he gets caught up with the Lord. Now again, the New Ages have taken this stuff and they've twisted it and they've made it sick. Now, do we pursue these things and do we say, I'm going to go and have a, an out-of-body experience today? No, we don't. We, we don't pursue the things. We pursue Him. We pursue Jesus. We go after Him and His presence as we live a life that's devoted to Him, that's set apart for Him. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be open to if God wants to do something supernatural. It's when he does something supernatural that it takes place. But I think if our minds are not open to the fullness of what God wants to do, I think we limit him. And so what I'm saying this morning is let's, let's ex expand the, you know, our thinking to, to allow more space for Holy Spirit to, to work in and through us. So Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 12 and verse 14. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound as the glory of the Lord rose from the place where it was standing. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away. Carries on, he went in bitterness and anger and blah, blah, blah. The, the point is that he has this encounter with the Lord as he gets lifted up. And then in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 3. It says, he stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. Now, if you've got a man bun, I encourage you, cut it off unless you want to have these type of encounters. It's just easy to get a handle hold. I'm just kidding. For me, it's not so easy. God will have to pick me up somewhere else. I don't know, my whole head. And... <laughs> he stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. The Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven. And in visions of God, he took me to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate, the inner court, where the idol that provokes jealousy stood. You see, Ezekiel gets, gets lifted up to this place between heaven and earth, and he gets this vision as God gives him visions of what, what's going to take place. See, God might want to lift you up and give you visions of what he wants to do, that you might perhaps 
tell someone what they dreamt, that you might interpret someone's dream, that you might get prophetic insight into a situation, that you might get a blueprint for the company that you work for that'll bring change and transformation, that you might get a revelation or an answer or something to alleviate poverty. I don't know what it is that God's placed on your heart, but I know that he's placed things on your heart and I know that he, he wants to give you the answers and the solutions to see the very things that are on your heart fulfilled. And the only way that that's going to happen is when the supernatural realm comes in and interacts with our very natural realm that we live in. We need to be open to God doing whatever it is that he wants to do. We come back to the book of Acts again, Acts chapter 12. Uh, we've got Peter, and Peter's in prison, and he's got two guards on either side of him. He's in chains, locked up. And suddenly, as he's in prison, an angel appears before him strikes him on the side. I think he wakes up with a bit of a fright. <laughs> I know I would. Angel says to him, stand up. And so as he moves, the chains fall off. He gets up. The guards, are, I assume, lay asleep by his side. And, uh, and off he goes, following this angel out of the prison, literally walks out of the prison. Every door he gets to gets opened and he walks out in plain sight. How the people don't see him, how the guards stay asleep, supernatural intervention. He gets out of prison, and so he goes to Mary's house. Now, at Mary's house, the disciples are gathered together having a prayer meeting. They're praying for Peter's release. He knocks on the, the door. Young Rhoda comes out, opens the door, sees Peter standing there. The very answer to their prayers has arrived knocking on the door. She opens the door, sees him, freaks out, shrieks, shuts the door, leaves Peter outside and runs back to the disciples to tell them, you won't believe it, but Peter's outside. <laughs> this is the weird part. The disciples respond that are praying and they say, no, Rhoda, it can't be. Maybe it's just his angel. That's what the Bible says. Maybe it's just his angel. You can go read it for yourselves in um, Acts 12 from verse 7 to 15. What does that even mean? That the disciples would say, maybe it's just his angel. Does that mean that they'd seen an angel that looked like Peter before? I don't know. That's weird. But it happened. <laughs> you see, when his realm comes and invades our realm, all sorts of weird and wonderful things happen. We get set free. People think that you're an angel when you're real. I mean, even the scripture even says that Peter comes to his he comes to himself because he was like, What is going on? Am I am I having a dream? Is this real? Is this a vision? What is going on? And then he realizes this really is real as he's having the supernatural encounter as an angel of the Lord comes to set him free. If we go back a few chapters in Acts chapter 2, when uh, the day of Pentecost, it's the Holy Spirit's poured out upon the disciples for the first time in this manner. They gathered together, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're seeking the Lord. The building shakes, a sound like a rushing wind comes through the place, and tongues like fire fall upon them. Above their heads, they've got fire burning. They go out onto the streets, and now they've got a gift of tongues. They start speaking in one another's languages. Now, this is not just a heavenly language, but this is earthly language. They're speaking different languages. 
the modern day equivalent is they start speaking Mandarin and Spanish and French and Greek and and people are looking at that's not a He's not French, but how come he's speaking French? He's not Spanish, how come he's speaking Spanish? They're speaking one another's languages, and it's just the sign and wonder. Everyone's like, what is going on? Peter stands up, addresses the crowd. They're not drunk as you suppose, but they are filled with the presence of God. Preaches the gospel, 3,000 people get saved. You see, when, when heaven invades earth, powerful things happen. Things like 3,000 people get saved in a moment. Those are some of the things that happen. See, we we read these, these encounters, these supernatural encounters throughout the Scriptures. He's the same God then as He is now. And He wants to give us similar encounters in this season. See, the scriptures say in Ephesians 2 verse 6 that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I don't understand what that means. But I know that there's an aspect of we're with him right now as we are here right now as well. We're, yeah, can we say we're in two places at once? I don't know. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 to 4 says, speaks about Paul being caught up to the third heaven, that he heard inexpressible things. See, God wants us to have these encounters with him, that he will reveal to us and speak to us mysteries of the age that will be revealed. Sometimes maybe there will be things that are inexpressible that cannot be repeated on earth. That's just for you because he loves you and he wants to have encounters with you. He wants to draw you into deeper levels of intimacy with himself. But sometimes he wants to give you revelation to resolve and to solve mysteries. Inexpressible things that we might come and be the answer to the problems we find on earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 It speaks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, yes, this is speaking about the gift of prophecy, healing, words of knowledge, wisdom, tongues, miracles, all of these wonderful gifts that we have in the Holy Spirit. But another way we can interpret this this phrase or this verse is that we won't be uninformed about the realms of the spiritual world that we live in. See, the... The scripture is writing to us saying, don't be uninformed about the spiritual world that you live in because it is as real than the natural world. Reminds me of that, the song that we, we, we've, we've sometimes sung. You're more real than the ground I'm standing on. You're more real than the air in my lungs. You're more real than the skin on my bones. It's how real he is and it's how how real the dimension that he lives in is. And so I believe that there are going to be encounters. There's going to be spiritual encounters. And God's going to give us wisdom to interpret them, to understand them, to use them to bring about transformation and to release hope. We had, a, we had an encounter just on Friday morning at Maplunka. Uh, we go there every Friday handing out food parcels, praying for the sick. 
and I didn't unfortunately get the full story, but one of the teams is praying for this gentleman. And, uh, and as they, they're chatting to him, they say, well, do you know Jesus? And the, this guy says, I've heard of him, and starts telling his story of how he had this near-death experience. And in this near-death experience, a man appears to him and reveals himself to him by the name of Jesus and gives him some instruction and tells him some things. He, he survives his, his near-death experience and, and, and is still alive today. Our team is there praying for him on Friday. And, and he says, I had this encounter where this man named Jesus came to me and, and told me some things, but this is all I know about him. And so our team is now able to uh, tell him the fullness about Jesus, to preach the good news of the gospel to this guy that he gets born again. Come on, isn't that crazy? That over many years ago, he has this, this supernatural spiritual encounter with Jesus and then sends our team some years later to help join the dots for him that he might get born again. See, God wants us to be people not just of intellect. Yes, he wants us to be people of, of intellect, of knowledge, of wisdom and the natural, of literature. He wants us to be wise in all of these areas, but he wants us to not neglect the realm of the spiritual, to be wise in that area as well. Uh, like I said, that's what I want to stir us, that we'll be people of the spirit and not just the intellect. So as I start to, to wrap up, what can we do? Can we force these encounters? Can we make them happen? No, we can't. It's out of our control, and I don't think that it's our responsibility or even our call to run after making these things happen. It's our call to run after Him. But as we run after Him, let's not limit what's possible for Him to do in and through you. Let's not limit the ways that you can encounter Him and experience His presence here while we're on earth. Because this is a shadow of what is to come. May we replicate heaven on earth. And so the one thing that we can do, the one thing we can do is that we can repent. Now, the scriptures teach us in multiple areas. In, in Mark 1 verse 15, Jesus says, The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, as we repent, because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's near, it's right here. And I think repentance is one of the things that helps us to engage with the Lord in the fullness. Because when we haven't uh, fully repented, when there's still stuff, when there's sin between you and Him, we can't encounter Him in the full measure that He wants us to because it's, it separates us from Him. And so as we, as we repent, as we ask for forgiveness, as we let go of all of the wrong way of doing things and grab hold of Him and the right way of doing things, we open up the door, I believe, for us to encounter Him in extraordinary ways. Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I think this repentance, I mean, when we speak about repentance in the church, probably many of us, we straight away go to, no, I've, I've repented. And we think of it as our initial sins and, you know, our old way of thinking, and we've turned from that way, we've turned to the Lord, and so uh, I've repented. No, I think repentance is an ongoing journey as we continue to be transformed into His likeness. 
And so the repentance that, that perhaps some of us need is to, is to ask for forgiveness and to renew our minds, which is the, the prophetic painting, to, to align our minds with His way of thinking. Because sometimes I think we limit ourselves. Sometimes we need to repent from the limitation that you place upon yourself. Oh, I'm just not made to operate in the gift of healing. I'm just not made to operate in the, the gift of prophecy or wisdom or words of knowledge. You see, we, we sometimes believe a lie about who we are. And when we do that, we limit what the Holy Spirit can do through us because we've partnered with a lie. For some of us, we need to repent of those small lies that we've believed in, perhaps limiting what God can do in and through us. And as we do that, as I mentioned, I think the door of heaven gets opened wider, that we encounter him in profound ways. Even as we, we, we read the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, who goes and lives a, a life of, of debauchery and uh, squanders his inheritance, but comes to this revelation that this, this is not life, there's no life in all of these worldly things. If I go back to my father's house, speaking of if I go back to the kingdom of God, Surely there's, there's life, there's fullness there. And as he, as, as he goes through this repentance, as he, he turns away from what he thought was attractive back to the Lord, what meets him on the road is an extravagant father coming running after him. As we repent, the father comes running. We encounter him. We encounter him. Let's stand. I want to pray for us that we will encounter the Lord in fresh and profound ways that God will give us revelation, that he'll reveal mysteries, that he'll give us blueprints. Why don't you lift your hands? Father God, thank you that you love each and every one of us in this room and online. Thank you, Lord, that you are so kind and gracious that, that you, you, you let us encounter and experience your presence. Not just your presence, but you. Lord, may this be a time where we as a people group, where, where we encounter you in powerful and supernatural ways. That, Lord, we'll be a people like Daniel who will be found ten times wiser than the magicians, the enchanters of the day. That, Lord, as you, as you lift us up, as you give us these these encounters that you, as you grow and mature us in the ways of, of, of spiritual understanding, that the world will come looking to the answers here in the church with your people and that they will find you, Lord. May people find you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so our hearts cries, make us wise. Make us spiritually wise. Lord, may we encounter your presence. May we encounter heavenly realms that we may reproduce heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.